Do you want to get well? That is the question Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethesda. So many times we become comfortable in our situation that when someone offers us a way out, we make excuses for why we should stay stuck. Today, Pastor Morris preaches that you can be free from whatever things hold you back. The question is though, do you want to get well? Here is Pastor Morris with part one of the message. Do you want to get well? John chapter five, beginning at verse one. Uh, and the verse reads like this. After this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within, the, within these lay a large number of disabled people, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who, who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the, when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your bed and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. The title of my message today is, Do You Want to Get Well? Do You Want to Get Well? Or The Man at the Pool? My question to you today is, do you want to get well? As we read this Bible verse, as we read this scripture, if you, did any, if you do any Bible study, you understand that, that, that in this story, Jesus is, is he's, he's going through uh, the city, he's going through Galilee, he's going through parts of, of, of healing. He healed an official son, he healed different people, and then he comes to this place, this colonnade full of sick people, and as he comes to this colonnade full of sick people, uh, he comes there for one specific reason. Pastor Rose last week, when she last week when she preached about the woman at the well, he preached about the she preached about the fact that this woman had an encounter with Jesus that was not only life changing to her but was also life changing to an entire city because this woman received a life changing transformation from Jesus, and she was able to go out and become. An evangelist to tell that city about who Jesus is, and so here we find that Jesus has an agenda, and that agenda is to be able to seek out those that need healing. Now the question might come out: Why didn't he heal everyone? Well, the Scripture doesn't specifically say that he he continued to heal everyone, but we know for sure that he went to heal this man. And so if you look at verse two in this verse, it says, "Now there was in Jerusalem a sheep gate." A pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And I, I just want, if you don't, you don't mind, I'm going to break this down into a biblical study for you so I can help you to understand. And if I kind of start to preach a little bit, it's probably because I had a couple of cups of coffee before I came to church this morning. But in this first verse, in verse two, I see there's three things that I want you, if you're taking notes, to underline. First is, I want you to underline or circle the words sheep gate. Then I also want you to uh, uh, also to underline or circle the word Bethesda. And then I also want you to circle or underline the word five porches. And here's the thing I want you to understand. In Hebrew, the Bible says that this was the sheep gate. And the sheep gate is mentioned as far back as Leviticus and as far back as Nehemiah, where they had to rebuild the sheep gate after the city had been besieged. But the sheep gate was the place where they would herd the sheep 
into the, into the city in order to be able to go. It was the sheep, it was the gate that was closest to the temple so that they could take the sheep to the temple in order for the sheep to be sacrificed uh, and, and in the temple. And so it was a place where sheep would, you know, they, they, they would take these sheep in there. And the only, the only gate, it's the only gate that was sanctified and set apart as a special gate. All the other gates were just your common gates. But here we have the sheep gate that was set aside for a special purpose. Now, I don't know about you, but as I was studying this verse, I came to understand and I think to myself that the sheep gate to me sounds like the church because of the fact that the sheep gate is the place where people come in on a daily basis and they come in to be able to be to, 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 to the place of, of sacrifice, to the place where people come in and, they're, and, and they need healing into their lives. And, and, and so... The, in the sheep gate, if you kind of understand the sheep gate, there's no locks. There was no bars. And I think to myself that as you look at this, the sheep gate is also a type of salvation because there should be no locks or bars on salvation. When you see the sheep gate, remember that the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus said this, he said, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you that I am the door of the sheep. He's the sheep gate. He is the door of salvation. He is the opportunity for people to get saved. And now the second thing that I notice in this verse is the verse is the word Bethesda. Everybody say Bethesda. Bethesda. Now, if you know, there's, there's a couple of nursing homes and a couple of uh, uh, places here in the valley that are known as called Bethesda. But the, the word Bethesda is actually a word which means house of healing. It also comes out as house of mercy and grace. How many of you know that the, house, the church should be the place of healing and of mercy and grace? When people come to church, you come to church not to be told that you're a bad person, not to be put down, not to be condemned, not to be you know, disheartened, not to be saying, you know, you're all going to hell, let's all come to the altar. No, hey, listen, the house of God should be a place of healing for your, your, the, the, the areas in your life that you need healing, the areas that you have not yet surrendered to God, the areas in your life that you have been wounded or scarred in your life. And, 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 and the church should be that place of mercy and grace. And so where else can you go but to find Jesus at, at, at the house of God? I mean, you should be able to find him anywhere, but at the house of mercy and grace is the place that you should find him. And so the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, therefore, let us approach the throne of what? Grace, that we may find, receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You shouldn't have to be ashamed of your past and not want to come to church. You should not be ashamed of, your, of what you've done in your life and say, I can't go to church because I, you know, of the things that I've done in my life or the things that have happened in my life. Listen, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But the house of mercy and grace, the house of healing, is the place where you can come and you come boldly saying, I'm going to come to the house of God because I know that God's going to love me there in spite of who I was, in spite of what I've done, in spite of where I've come from. He's going to look at me and he's going to bring healing to my life. Now, the Bible says there were five porches. Five porches. Everybody say five porches. Five porches. Five in the Bible is the number of God's grace. 
and God's goodness. Usually you find that whenever you find the number five, it's God expressing his favor towards men. And so five, watch this, five, what, who's good at math? Anybody good at math? What's five times five? No. Five times five is grace upon grace. Multiplied by grace is grace upon grace. So when you continue, when you come to God, when you come to God, he's not there to condemn you. I love what the, the promise that, that, that he gave to Abraham. See, a lot of churches today, we still dwell under the Mosaic law. You got you to do all of these rituals and things in order for God to love you and God to, serve, God to bless you and God to do all of these things. But the, the Abrahamic law was the law that, God came to re, that Jesus came to reestablish with us. And that is, I didn't come to curse you. I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to put you down. I came to bless you. I came to prosper you. I came to make your name great. I came to give you a name. I came to make you a blessing to other people. Come on, somebody. And so when you come to God, he's not there to condemn you. He's not there to put you down. Jesus is not there to, to, to say, hey, you've done so much bad in your life, you are not welcome in my house. That You will never hear those words from Jesus because he's the image of grace. He is the image of grace. Jesus is the place of mercy and grace. How many could use some mercy and grace right now? See, if, if you're going through things, and I'm sure, and I'm sure if, I, if I were to even take a, a step out here, I'm going to kind of step out on a limb, I would probably be accurate to say that there are probably every one of us this week have gone through something in your life. You've gone through something and experienced something in your life that, that, that has, has either caused trauma, caused hurt, caused pain. Maybe you got in an argument or a fight with your spouse. Maybe you got in an argument with a coworker. Maybe you got mad at the person driving on the road because they cut you off and then they, they give you the one-way peace sign uh, or half a peace sign. Uh, uh, you know, but you, you, you get to that place where you start to, to have, have those brokenness inside. The church is full of broken people. Come on, somebody. The church is full of broken people. Now, let me tell you something. You can go to the hospital, and if, but if you re reject treatment, you stay broken. It's not until you, you reach. That's why they have you sign that document so you can, they can begin treatment on you. <coughs> they begin treating you your sicknesses, they begin treating your ailment, they begin treating your brokenness, they, they do what they need to do to get you back to health and get you back to life. Listen, when you come to the house of God, you can choose to stay broken or you can choose to get to allow what God needs to do in your life so that you can receive healing and mercy and grace in that time of need. No one else is to blame. No one else is to blame. Because you have to be able to say, I need to, he doesn't say, let the, let the throne of God approach me in mercy with, with boldness. No, we must approach the throne of grace with, mercy, with boldness. We must make that move. And so there are, are, are the Bible goes on to say that there, in, this, in this verse, he says that there were many sick and afflicted. I wanna park, I wanna park my bike right here for just a few minutes. There were many sick and afflicted. Now, I, I like what the King James Bible says. The King James says it this way. There were many impotent people. 
Now, most of us, we automatically think an impotent person is somebody who cannot make babies, but that's not what that means. An impotent person is someone who is powerless, helpless. And the Bible says that all five of the colonnades were full of impotent people, people who were helpless and powerless. The word, the word impotent actually means unable to take effective action. And there's a lot of people who come to church that, that, they, that they're, they're stuck in their life. They're stuck in, 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 in neutral, not going anywhere, revving the engine and revving the engine to go somewhere, but they're not going anywhere because they're still sick and impotent in their life. They're still in, ineffective in taking action. And, 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 it's, and, and the church is full of sick people. Come on, somebody. Any church you go to is full of sick people. Sometimes, though, we, we come, we don't want people to know we're, we're, we're dealing with something on the inside. So we put on a mask. We put on a cover. We put on, a, 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 on an act. Because when we, people look at us, I, we, don't, we don't want them to know uh, if they ask you how you're doing, I'm doing great. But on the inside, you're screaming, you're hurting, and you're broken. And I'll have you know that sin is, is the sickness of the soul. A lot of people who deal with sickness, sin sickness, there's the physically sick in the church. There's the emotionally sick in the church. There's the spiritually sick in the church who need healing. And in this colonnade, as you read this scripture and as you read this story, we find the story says that they were the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. The blind were the ones, when, when I was reading this verse, I said, Lord, how do you want me to, to talk about this? And, and he says, there's a lot of people in my church that have no vision. If, and it goes, and if there aren't the, those that can see some of them, their vision is impaired. I have to wear glasses now. As I, I find that as I'm getting older, that if I don't wear my glasses, things get a lot more blurry. Um, I, I just woke up one morning and all of a sudden I'm having to hold my phone across the room in order to read a text message. My vision is impaired. Pastor Rose has uh, an eye, uh, in, a vision impairment called keratoconus in her eye. And it makes her, eye, her, her, her eyes go into the form of a cone. And so she has to have special contact lenses or special glasses in order for her to see. Otherwise, without them, I just look like a blurry, I look like a, I look like a Van Gogh picture to her, you know. Maybe that's probably better. <laughs> but in the church, there are people who are, 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 that sit and they come week after week. They come week after week and, and, and yet you have no vision. Do you understand? Without vision, you perish. Without vision, you have no direction. Without vision, you have no guidance. Without vision, you don't know where you're going. You just kind of live the same life you've always lived. Every day, getting up and doing the same thing. Every single day and getting up and realizing, I have no purpose in my life. But the moment you have a vision, the moment you, have a, you, you write the vision down, like Habakkuk 2.2 says, write it down, make it plain. You write that vision down. Say, God, give me a vision for my family, man. Come on, somebody. God, give me a vision for my family. Help me to, to have, what, what do I see my family in, in one year, in five years, in 10 years? If you're a business owner, you have a vision plan. You write your vision down. How do I want to see my, my, my business scale? How do I want to see it grow? How do I want to see it multiply and increase? How, do I want to franchise? Do I want to add more workers? And as you begin to write that vision down, you have purpose to work toward. 
Your budget is another one. A budget is a vision. We have a budget for the church. You write it down. You put, you say, okay, how are we spending money? Do we need to cut back here? Do we need to spend there? You know, we, you, you want to be able to have a vision for where you want to put your money and where you want it to go so that way you don't overspend or you don't sp- you, you're not living paycheck to paycheck. You're saving money. You're putting money aside. And, 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 when, and, and there are people in the church that, that have no vision. They've lost sight. They've lost sight of hope. They've lost sight of what God can do in their life. They've lost sight of how God can bring forth uh, blessings in their life, how God can bring forth freedom in their life, how God can help advance their family in their life. And they come to church, they stick their hands in their pockets. You know what the number one reason, I'm going to tell you this, the number one reason a lot of people leave the church, the reason why is because people lack vision. And so we go, look, go around looking for churches that tell us Somebody that'll tell me, tell me what my vision is. No, listen, ask God to give you a vision. And in the house of mercy and grace, God can restore sight. He can restore vision. He can restore hope in your life so that you can, you can say, God, I, I was blind, but now I see. I, I didn't see before what it is that you were showing me. I didn't see the direction you were taking me. I didn't understand it. But Lord, you opened my eyes to see. Second, the thing that the Bible says is that we're lame, the lame. And I'm not talking about like the kids use, oh, that's so lame. No, I'm not talking about that kind of lame. But the, the word lame here is actually a word which means that they were unable to walk because of injury or illness. Listen, this church has been notorious for taking in people who have been injured in their walk. Some churches, I like to look at it this way. Pastor Rose and I, we say we have the Mephibosheth ministry. You know, Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, and when the, the nursemaid found out that, jo- that Jonathan and King Saul had been killed in battle, she took Mephibosheth and she grabbed him up so quickly, she ran with him and dropped him, and he was crippled from that moment forth and could never walk. And there are a lot of times people come to church, you've come to church, and somebody's dropped you. I'm gonna tell you right now, I, I'm not... I'm not the greatest. I have, I have been guilty at times of dropping people. Amen? Uh, but have you ever gone somewhere and you feel like, man, I, I just, something is, and it doesn't have to be just a church. Maybe you've been in a, in, in a personal relationship with somebody, a dating relationship, a mother, a father, a son, a, a brother, a cousin, a family member, business workers, and something, that relationship fractures and now it's impaired your ability to walk with God. Maybe the reason is because you've put your hope in that, you've put your hope and you've rested your faith in that relationship more than resting it in God. But there are lame, people that are lame, that that their walk is hindered, they come to church and, you know, I'm serving God, but I'm not serving God all the way. Sometimes they come to church and they've got this limp, it's not a ghetto limp either, you know. Say, God, I, I, I want to walk with you, but, but I have trust issues. I want to walk with you, but I have a broken heart. God, I want to walk with you, but my faith is weak. God, I want to walk with you, but I have no vision. God, I want to walk with you, but, but, uh, but I need someone to lead me. God, I want to walk with you, but, 
but I'm hurting. God, I want to walk with you, but... And, and, and there are, the church is full of people that are blind. Church is full of people that are lame and their walk, uh, the, and their walk is, is, is hindered. But also the church is full of people who are paralyzed. Maybe you're a paralyzed person. Because paralyzed doesn't always mean from the neck down or from the waist down. Sometimes our people, that, that their hands are, are hurt, are, are, are paralyzed. And so they can't serve in the church. Maybe there are people who are paralyzed and they can't, they, they, maybe they can't walk or maybe there, there's people that are incapable. The word paralyzed here actually means incapable of movement, unable to think or act normally. And a lot of times it's because of panic and fear. Not all the time because there's obviously accidents that happen and people get hurt in accidents and become paralyzed. But what I'm talking about here is that sometimes we become paralyzed. We allow our paralysis. We come. I've been praying. God, we put out calls for help. We could put out calls. Hey, hey, listen, you know, come and serve, come and serve, come and serve, come and serve, come and serve. Why aren't people serving? Because they're blind. Because they're lame. Because they're paralyzed. The word paralyzed also means to bring to a stop because of disruption. You're going through something in your life. And have you ever gone through a tragedy in your life? Have you ever gone through? Our brother, our brother Ricardo was talking about how he lost his wife. Thank God that he had strong faith. But how many of us have gone through tragedies in our life that we've allowed that tragedy to stop us from walking with God? That we've allowed that tragedy to keep us uh, to, to hinder our faith in God, to hinder our ability to call on God, to hinder our, our hope in God, to hinder our relationship through the word of God and through prayer and through attending church and serving in the house of God. And, 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 and I came to tell somebody this morning that if you are sick in your soul, if you are sick even in your body, and you are in this house today, that, the, that, that Jesus is here to bring healing to your body, to your healing, to your soul, and healing to your mind. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like to listen or watch this message in its entirety, please go to myquitchurch.com. As always, we appreciate your faithfulness to listen in every time we upload fresh content. We would appreciate if you would subscribe to this podcast and give us a thumbs up. This little action might seem insignificant, but it helps to push us to the top of the listening cycle on whatever platform you are listening. Once again, thank you for listening. See you next time on the Equip Church Podcast.